Would you turn, please, to the third chapter of the Gospel account of John? John chapter 3 and verse 1. We've been on a subject for some weeks now that we're calling eternal life. Eternal life. And uh, we want to continue with that and see something that's connected to this. John 3, 1 says, There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. Now, we're told in Jesus' day when he walked the earth in his ministry, there were two main groups of religious leaders and thought in the Jewish community, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And there were also doctors of the law. We, we have doctors of divinity today. And that's some of the same concept. But he had the most trouble with these guys. Right? The, these Pharisees, these Sadducees, these doctors of the law. And it's because I'm just paraphrasing now. He, in essence, he told them their religion wouldn't save them and that their righteousness wasn't enough. And it made them so mad that they became murderous towards him and eventually did kill him. And the same is true today. You know, we've been on this for some time, and one of the things that we've covered and talked about is how there is no eternal life, there is no heaven, there is no salvation except through Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Now, that is not widely accepted. The push is for us to be inclusive and acknowledge other people's religions and that, you know, People have their own ways of believing or worshiping God and that all these different religions in the earth are just different ways and paths that are going to wind up at the same place. And to hear some people talk, basically everybody is going to be in good shape after death. Everybody is going to heaven. You will, even if it's not specifically said, it's implied. People that rejected and blasphemed God are worshipped all kind of crazy stuff and they die and you'll hear people say at their funeral, well they're in heaven now they went on to a better place did they? what does the Bible say? if you believe the Bible anybody in here believe the Bible? If you, a lot of people don't in the world, if you believe the Bible if you believe what Jesus said and if you're going to be a Christian you should believe what the Christ said If you believe that, you cannot believe all this other stuff. You have to believe what he said, that nobody comes to the Father except through him. He's not one of the ways to God. He is the way, the truth, the life, the only way. He said to the religious leaders of his day, if you don't believe I'm the one, he said, you will die in your sins. Well, is that, will you be in good shape if you die like that? It's just not true. You do not have eternal life unless you've been born again or born from above is another way to say it. 
And if you hadn't been born from, the, the way you are born from above is you believe on Jesus. Not just in a higher power. Not just in a set of tenets of moral living. No. You must be born again. That's not my words. Keep reading. He said, he came to Jesus by night, this man Nicodemus, this Pharisee did. He said, Rabbi, we know you're a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that you do except God be with him. So he believed that that God was real. He believed that Jesus is is hearing from God, from the Father. He said, uh, Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say to you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven are referenced scores of times in the New Testament. And most of the times they're referenced are red letters. Jesus is talking about the kingdom of God. Did you hear I said scores of times? I think one of them's like 80 times, another one's like 70 times. So it's something like 150 times, just mostly in these gospel accounts. That's a lot, isn't it? That Jesus talked about the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. In fact, he talked about it so much that um, his disciples and his enemies have it on their minds. You can hear in their questions to him and they're talking to him. You remember that uh, two of the the disciples, their mother came to Jesus. Remember that? And she said, she caught him off to the side and said, Lord, when you come into your kingdom, would you let my two sons sit on your right and left hand? In other words, be in the top positions. Uh, Well, she was out of line asking for that. And uh, the Lord helped her to see it and helped them to see it. But why would she say that? Because He talked about the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven so much that it's on their mind. They are continually thinking about it. And at one point it said uh, that the disciples and all the people, he had said so much about it, they thought the kingdom would immediately appear. And so he had to tell them some parables and some situations, helping them to see that it's going to be a while before the kingdom is completely manifested in the earth because they're thinking that's one of the reasons why the 12 were so disillusioned when Jesus let the guards take him. They thought that he was going to come into the place of rulership and the kingdom be established just any day. And so when he let them take him and when they actually crucified him, they just couldn't believe it. They were just dumbfounded. They thought there's no way that because that they were expecting anything like that. He told them. <laughs> he told them the Son of Man was going to suffer at the hands of men and was going to be crucified and raised. He told them, but they didn't hear it because they had heard so much about the kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom. We as believers today, we need to be kingdom minded because Jesus talked so much about it because it is what matters more than most everything else. What do you mean? Well, we've already talked about that this life 
is the briefest thing we will ever do. You will soon be out of here. If you live another 50 years, if you live another 100 years, it's going to come and go so fast. Anybody been alive for 50 years already? How long is that? It's not long at all. You know, Phyllis and I have been talking about, we've already been in the ministry for 40 years almost. And I've just turned 60. And so in another, you know, 10 or 20, I'll be 70 and 80. And 20 years is not a lot of time. What am I doing? What are you doing? Because <laughs> we're soon going to be out of here. People are leaving this planet. They tell us some 150 plus thousand leave the planet every day. That's just normal days. Some 150,000 a day. And what is it? Some 55 million or so, I think, every year leave. So this is just a normal thing. People are leaving here by the scores of thousands every day. And one of these days, you're going to leave here. I'm going to leave here. And what's going to happen after that? Well, whether you go up or whether you go down will be determined by what you did in this life, what you believed and the choices you made. And if you go up, Hallelujah. <laughs> How many is going up? Come on, help me out. How many going up? When it comes to hell, I ain't going. Jesus went in my place. <laughs> now, some people get all upset about that and they go, I, this stuff about Jesus going to hell, I, I can't stand that. I don't believe it. If he didn't go, you going. How you like that? That's the only way it works. He was our substitute, our complete substitute. The fullness of judgment fell on him. Everything that would have happened to us because of sin and failure happened to him. And after three days and nights, which I don't know what that would have seemed like, how long that would have seemed in hell, but God's justice was satisfied and he spoke out of heaven, this is my beloved son, hallelujah, and he was raised from the dead. And that didn't happen for him. He didn't need personally need any of that. He wasn't lost. He never sinned. So he didn't need the deliverance from it. It was all for you. It was all for me. When he was raised, we were raised. That's why it took the exceeding greatness of God's power. So we see here that he talks about the new birth and the kingdom of God in the same breath. Do you see this? Except a man be born again, he cannot see what? The kingdom of God. Nicodemus said, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? He's only thinking naturally. Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say to you, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit. There's a natural birth that's, uh, you know, what, what's a sign that a baby's about to be born? Water broke. The baby is in the environment and element of water. 
Well, when you're born from above the new birth, you're born in the element of spirit. And water is similar to spirit. They have similarities. Except a man be born of water and of the spirit. That's a natural birth and a supernatural birth. He cannot enter into the kingdom of God. He says it again. We were not just saved from something only. We were saved to something and for something. Oh, that was worth you combing your hair and coming out today. I'm telling you, we were saved from judgment, from punishment, from eternal death which is separation from God, from the second death, we have been saved. Oh, when you say, I'm saved, you said a mouthful. Saved from what? But not just saved from, I mean, if that was all it was, that'd be plenty of reason to get saved. Right? Saved from being judged. Saved from being punished. Saved from being separated from God. Saved from hell. Thank God. But we were also saved for the kingdom of God. We were saved to and for glory. We were saved to serve God both now and in time to come in his eternal kingdom. We have eternal life and we have been placed into an eternal kingdom. Now kingdom, that that word, you know, sometimes it just kind of goes past folks. A kingdom is a place, a, a domain of the king. The United States is a kingdom. We don't have a king But it is a domain where the nation and the governing authorities of the nation rule and have control. There's been kingdoms on the earth for thousands of years. The kingdom of Rome. I mean, there's been different kingdoms that have risen and fallen. And in the book of Daniel, there is a revelation from heaven about the rise and fall of kingdoms. And people who don't believe the Bible is inspired are just willingly ignorant of things like this. If you go back and read what was revealed, all this was shown before it happened. How could anybody have seen and known about the Persian kingdom and about the Babylonian kingdom and about the Roman kingdom and about all these other things? I mean, centuries before some of these things happened. And and the Bible is full of prophecy that specifically with detail shows things millennia before they happened. Who could know that? How could anybody know that? Well, it's because the Bible is not just a, a book written by men. Men are instruments, but it was the Spirit of God through people. Hallelujah. Through men, inspiration coming from God. But he ends up, and this is the exciting part. In fact, I think I've got a reference here somewhere if I can find it. Go back to the book of Daniel. I don't know if I recorded it. 
I didn't. Somebody help me out where it talks about the eternal kingdom in the book of Daniel. I got guys upstairs looking for this. So please stand by. Say it again. 714. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Thank you. Thank you. It says in verse 13. That's exactly it. Thank you. Daniel 714. He said, I saw in night visions and behold, one like the son of man came with clouds of heaven. Have you read anything like that in the New Testament? Sure you have. First Thessalonians. Acts. He's coming back with clouds. Daniel saw that. All those centuries ago. He said, I saw one like the Son of Man. He came with clouds of heaven. And he came to the Ancient of Days. And they brought him near before him. John saw in the book of Revelation. You know, centuries and centuries after this. The Ancient of Days sitting on the throne. He saw the Lamb of God come. Hallelujah. this, This is real. This is not a fantasy. This is not some kind of storybook. This is real. Verse 14. And there was given him dominion. And glory. And a kingdom. This is what Jesus talked about. For those three and a half years that he ministered. Everywhere he went. He talked about it. He talked about it. When he was raised from the dead. He appeared to the disciples. And actually the Bible said at one time to 500 people. At one time, Jesus appeared after he was raised from the dead. And you know what he said he talked to them about for those 40 days? The kingdom. The kingdom. How many think we need, we need to learn more about the kingdom? We need to talk more about it. What kingdom? His kingdom. A kingdom and that all people, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion. There has never been one on the earth before an everlasting dominion. We thank God for our country. But it's really a young country. Right? Just a little over a couple hundred years old, right? Oh man, there have been kingdoms like Rome and ancient kingdoms in China and different places that lasted for many centuries and even thousands of years. But a lot of them, you can't find them. They are gone. They certainly weren't an everlasting kingdom. But there is a kingdom, hallelujah, whose king is the king of kings and lord of lords and his kingdom shall never end. It is an ever- Lasting kingdom. It is an eternal kingdom. Who is the king of kings? King of. Who's the kings? He's king of. Who's the lords? He's lord of. Have you read in the book of Revelation? It tells you. It talks about the saints that have been clothed in white garments, the righteousness. It talks about those washed in the blood of the Lamb. We've been made unto our God. Kings and priests. I know we don't look so much like it now, but the Bible said the world doesn't know us. They don't recognize us, but it shall be seen because when he shall appear, we will be like him. 
And we are in the earliest stages of our development. I don't think we've even reached the kindergarten stage yet. Because, you know, to the ancient of days, who's been around billions and billions and billions and billions of years, what would a hundred year lifespan be? A thousand years to him, a millennia is like a day. It's like last night, the psalmist said. We ain't been around. That's what you got to keep reminding yourself. I haven't been around long enough to know much. I just got here. <laughs> right? <laughs> you just, even if you've been alive 50 years, 70 years, you just got here. You just got here. Has anybody in here developed since you got born again? Have you grown? Have you, have you developed? Have you become wiser at least a little bit and, and see some things? And Well, what if you just continue to do that for another 10,000 years? What kind of being would you be? And once you get out of here, you can really take off. You get rid of the restrictions and all the distractions and all of the junk and all of the stuff that's trying to blind you and hinder you. Get, get rid of the devils messing with you. You can just skyrocket. So what are you going to look like and sound like and act like a thousand years from now? Yeah, like him. 10,000 years, 100,000 years. The Bible said the righteous are going to shine like the stars. We're going to shine like the stars. Well, what are we going to be doing for these eons? Sitting on a cloud? Tuning our harp? (laughs) Talking to the person on the next cloud. Hey, how's it going? Still playing that harp, huh? Yeah, yeah, me too. (laughs) I said we're saved from something. But that's not all. We're saved to something. We're saved for something. What kind of God do we have? Does he have a plan? What are we going to be doing? What are we going to be doing for these millennia after millennia? What are we going to be doing? We're standing around, you know, twiddling our thumbs, trying to, what are we going to be doing? I'll tell you, he has a plan. He is a God of amazing wisdom, precision. Just take a look at the universe. What is all of that out there for? What is going on? What is God doing? What has he done? What is his plan? The vast part of it, we don't know. What we do know if we believe the Bible is that we have a part. We're being groomed in this life. We're being taught. We're being trained to use our faith to make the right choice. We're being groomed to rule and to reign in his vast eternal kingdom. How big is his kingdom? How far will it reach? What will it encompass? What will it accomplish? God is a God who produces fruit. He builds things. He produces things. And you and I 
are going to be in the middle of it. We're already in the kingdom. And the kingdom's already in us. That's what happened when we got born again. We were born from above. We were translated. Come on, do you know I'm quoting scripture? Translated out of the kingdom of darkness into woo, the kingdom of his glorious son. Somebody say, I'm in the kingdom. I'm in the kingdom. I'm in the kingdom. And the kingdom's in me. And the amazing thing is that what we're doing right now affects our place in the kingdom after this life. Is it true or not? What we do in this life, our response to the gospel, which is also called the gospel of the kingdom, our response to the gospel determines everything about this life and the next. If we reject it, we're lost. If we accept it, we're saved. And though our righteousness is not based on what we do in this life, it's based on what Jesus did. Our reward is based on what we do in this life. If it's true that this life we're living right now And all the things that are going on in this life are the shortest thing we'll ever do and is almost over. And that God's eternal kingdom is just right around the corner for us, just a breath or two away for us. And that our place and our reward will be the result of our decisions here. How should we live this life? What should be our priorities? What should be govern our decisions in everything? What should we have time for? <laughs> Is everybody listening? Are you with me, child of God? Go with me, please, to the book of uh, Luke. Thank you, Lord. Luke 14. We should be getting stirred up about the kingdom of God. It's an everlasting kingdom. I didn't finish reading that in Daniel, but there's a lot there. He saw it. He said, uh, and you know, there's a song that the angels and elders and everybody sing at one point in the future. You see it in Revelation. They say, the kingdoms of this world, they have become the kingdoms of our God, and he shall reign forever. And ever. And ever. Hallelujah. There's coming a time there won't be any uh, Russia. There won't be any China. There won't be any U.S. of A. There won't be any other thing. There will be the eternal kingdom of God. And everybody that had decided they don't want God, they will be in the eternal lake of fire with the devil. And his angels and hell. They wasn't even created specifically for man. But if you don't want God and you choose sides with the enemy, well, then you get to go where he goes. Somebody say, I'm not going. I'm not going there. 
I'm going with God. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be with him. And those who made the choice down here when you didn't have to, when there was pressure around you to reject God or to be ashamed of God, if you stand up for God down here and are willing to endure persecution and mocking and even to be mistreated or, or you know, have things taken from you because of your stand for Christ, the Lord said on that day, I will confess you before my Father and the angels. Why? Because you confessed me before men. He, those of us who stand up for him down here, when we're laughed at, we're mocked and made fun of and persecuted and every other thing, the Lord will never forget it. He will never forget that you stood up for him, that you chose to believe. And when other people, most of the planet's just doing their own thing, making their own plans, couldn't care less about God, don't even believe in him. But you stopped and sought him every day and asked him what he wanted you to do with your life. You actually sought him about his plan. You were willing to forget what you wanted to do and do what he wanted you to do. He will never forget it. It'll be remembered throughout the ages to come, and it will cause you to have a place above others who weren't willing to do these things, and a reward that will never fade, a crown that'll never fade. Hallelujah. Woo. Crowns are for rulers. You, you knew that, right? Luke 14 and 16. Luke 14, 16, Jesus said to them, a certain man made a supper and he bade many and he sent his servant at supper time and said to them that were bidden, come for all things are now ready. How many think when your Lord says come, what should you do? Come on, help me out with this. When the Lord says come, what should you say? I can't right now. Well, then it means he's not your Lord. You are your Lord. You're running things, not him. He said, come. Verse 18, and they all, with one consent, begin to make excuse. Excuses why they couldn't come do what he wanted them to do. One said, I bought a piece of ground, and I got to go see it. Have me excuse. Verse 19. Another one said, I, I got five yoke of oxen. I got to go prove them and test them. So, you know, have me excuse. Another one said, I just got married, so I can't come. Well, what's this a picture of? You know, the Sadducees, we, we talked about the Pharisees. They denied that there was any resurrection. They actually denied the existence of spirit or life after this life and resurrection. After Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, one of the biggest things the Sadducees got so mad about is that the disciples preached that he had been raised from the dead. And they don't believe in that. Now that to me is an odd thing. Religious people who believe in no afterlife. But even if you say you do on paper, wonder how many religious people live like there is no afterlife. They live like this is all there is. 
This life is all there is. They live like there's no spirit, there's no angel, there's no God, there's no life after this. We should not live like that. We're believers. Somebody say, I'm not a Sadducee. You know, there's a joke in theological circles that says, it says that's why they were sad, you see. Because <laughs> they didn't believe in resurrection. They didn't believe in anything. They believe when you're dead, that's it. You're done. The end. That is not true. I said that is not true. But see, why would you ignore the head of the kingdom... When the kingdom is the most important thing there'll ever be. Everything going down here. I'm not saying nothing's important down here. But a lot of the natural things. They soon won't be here. Right? And a lot of the things that everybody's so involved in. And immersed in. Won't even exist. In a little while. Should we be focused on the kingdom that lasts forever? Should we be focused on finding and doing the will of the king. And so when the king says come. Should we say I can't. Because the kids have a ball game. I can't. Because things at the job. I can't. Because you know personal problems. I can't. Because I need some me time. <laughs> we well, see even though they might not call themselves a Sadducee. They are living like there is no eternal kingdom. They're living like this is the most important thing. I want you to pray a prayer with me, everybody watching online. Say out loud, Father God, enlighten my eyes. Help me to be aware 24-7 of how brief this life is, of how important the kingdom of God is, to be aware of your plan. Help me to make your priorities my priorities. What's first to you, first to me. What you value most, for me to value most, I ask it in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Well, if you believe that's his will and he heard your prayer, then... uh, be ready because there will be times and things that he'll tap you on the shoulder, so to speak, and he'll let you know this is not important. You know, Let this go and focus on this. Don't spend so much time on this. This won't even exist in a little while. Focus on this. Be available for this. These teams that we have in the church, they are kingdom significant. Is everybody listening? You know... Uh, uh, Joshua said this, and it's quoted by many. He said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And uh, the Lord actually asked me a question sometime back about that. He said, uh, coming to church and receiving is being fed. That's not serving. <laughs> Can you see that? That's something you're doing for yourself. That's not serving. That's being served. And uh, when Jesus went into detail. In fact I'm, I'm moving a little bit too fast. In, in Matthew 20. Go there first. 
I quoted part of this to you about who will be great in the kingdom of God. Jesus talked so much about that that these guys had it on their mind. And they actually got into a, to trouble some because they argued about who was going to be the greatest. You remember that? In the coming kingdom. Well, I'm just saying that can you see how much this is on their mind? Well, when did that change? That believers should think like that. It shouldn't have changed. In Matthew 20, verse 20, I'll just read the whole thing. The mother of Zebedee's children with their sons came to him, Jesus, worshiping him, desiring a certain thing of him. He said, what wilt thou? She said, grant that these my two sons may sit the one on your right hand, other on your left in your kingdom. Jesus said, you know not what you ask. Are you able to drink of the cup that I drink of, be baptized with the baptism that I'm baptized with? They said, we're able. I think they didn't know what they were talking about. (laughs) The greater places in the kingdom require greater commitment in this life and greater sacrifice. Not suffering the curse of the law. We've been redeemed from the curse of the law, but suffering persecution. You go all the way with God, the enemy's not going to like it. He'll try to stir up things against you. Oh, but the difficulties of this present life are not even worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed. We're to endure hardness as good soldiers, and it is worth it. Verse 23, he said, you will indeed drink of the cup and be baptized with the baptism. But to sit on my right hand and my left is not mine to give, which shows Jesus is not the Father. Do you understand? Some people try to say Jesus is just a different manifestation of the same person of the Father. That's not true. You know, Jesus said, no man knows the time, the day, or the hour of the return. He said, not even the Son of Man, only the Father. Well, if they're the same person, you couldn't say things like this. Somebody said, yeah, but they said, I I and my Father are one. Yeah, he also prayed that we would be one. Doesn't mean we're going to turn into the same person. Thank the Lord. He said, it's, it'll be given to those whom is prepared of my father. When the ten heard it, they were moved with indignation because they didn't think of it first. <laughs> I know I keep saying it, but do you see how big this was in their mind about the kingdom and, and who's, what place we're going to have in the kingdom. They were so excited about it. And yet you've got all kind of church going people. You even mention reward. And they go well you know. That's up to the Lord. I, I don't care. It's not up to the Lord. That's not what the Bible says. It depends on what you're willing to do down here in this life. Right now. As to how it affects the place you'll have in the kingdom. So Jesus called them over. He said, you know, the princes of the Gentiles in their kingdoms, they exercise dominion. Well, that's what dumb is in the king dumb is dominion over them. And they that are great exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. In God's kingdom, you don't get the, the bigger place by your, um, your ego and your drive and by running over other people and domineering other people. That's not how it works. 
But in God's kingdom, whoever will be great among you, let him be your minister. Let him serve. Verse 27, and whoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. Who's going to be greatest in the kingdom? The one that was willing to serve the most. Serve God. And how do you serve God? By ministering to his people. And helping his people. And serving his people. The greatest of all would be the servant of all. Whoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. Even as the Son of Man came, not to be ministered to, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. The greatest expression of love, which is the commandment, is giving. God so loved the world that he gave and service. One of the last things Jesus did was wash the disciples' feet. You remember that? Showing us this is the way of the kingdom. Brother Jesse Duplantis said he had an experience, was caught to heaven, and saw some things. He said he saw what was called paradise, beautiful, you know, trees and water and that kind of thing. And he said he saw people all over the place. And maybe people like they were having some type of a picnic thing or people were having some kind of a fun thing. And he said everybody he saw, he didn't know most of them, but everybody he saw, they said, do you want to come join us? What can we do for you? Huh? Come on, can you see that? What can, now, now just think about that. What if everybody in a place, their focus was, can I help you? And they didn't just say it as a nicety. They're ready to do it. Do you want to have fun with us? Do you want to eat with us? That would make it heaven. Right? That would make a place heaven in one way. Just that kind of thing everywhere. Well, even though we're not there yet, we got that same love in us right here, right now. And we're actually commanded to prefer one another. Aren't we? Prefer one another. Value one another. Help one another. What'd be wrong with us? Just on a regular basis, be ready to serve. Be ready to help. Well, you know what that's going to interfere with? Your plans. And doing for yourself. You know the biggest enemy of the plan of God? Your plan. Did you know that? That's right. Well, well, I just got through reading it. What was the biggest interference with the people responding and coming when the Lord called? Their plan. Their involvements. Their plan. That's the biggest enemy to the plan of God is your plan. And you're going to have to die to what you wanted and all of your things in order to constantly be serving. These ministry teams that we have in the churches, and we have many of them, put them all together, scores of them, and a lot of people involved. This is not just something to do. This is from the head of the church. I know when we first started the church, the Lord gave this to me specifically about these teams and what to call them. 
You could have called them ministry teams, but I know people have a certain mindset with that. And as I looked up and studied the words and things like what Jesus said, I realized the word serve is perfect. Service teams. Hallelujah. Well, if this life is about to be over and the kingdom of God is the most important thing, how seriously should we take our service? How seriously should we take our service? The people that are helping you park, are they serving God? Does that matter? The people that are cleaning the facility, people that are working on the grounds, work with the children, the people that are behind the cameras right now, the people that are, you know, doing the overheads and the sound and all this kind of thing, are they serving God? Could they be doing something else this morning? They could be sleeping in. Is that right? Yeah. They could be fishing. They could be playing golf. The thing is, you can still fish and play golf. Why you got to do it on Sunday morning? Yeah. Why is that the only time you can do it? Yeah. <laughs> but what should be, if you are a believer and the Lord is your king and he calls and says, I need something. I need my church cleaned. I need my grass cut. I need this. I need my sound run. Whatever. You should not say, I got a plan. I'm busy. I got this. That means you're living, even though you might claim to be, you live like a Sadducee. Like there is no life after death. There is no spirit. There is no kingdom of God. You're living like that. Not us by the grace of God. What do you say? Not us by the grace of God. In closing, I think, look with me. Hallelujah. Matthew 13, I think we can close with this. It's easy to get lulled into a false sense that this life is all important. It's easy to get lulled into get up, go to work, come home, or go to school, come home, you know, fix a meal or go eat or take a bath, go to bed, get up, and act like you're going to do that forever. And you are not. How much longer are you going to do that? Everything down here in this natural world is just for a short season. Everything that's going on is just for a little while. Everything, including every kingdom, Every country, every government, every business, every institution, every denomination. Y'all are listening to me. Everything down here formed of man is very, very temporary. Should we focus on the things that are passing away and only live for them? Or should we look at the things that are not seen? Should we set our heart and our affection on things above, not on things just on the earth. And should we be keeping in mind our priorities and every decision we make relative to God's plan and his kingdom and what's about to happen after this life that's going to keep on going, eon after eon after eon. Jesus described the kingdom this way in Matthew 13 and 43 I believe it is he said the righteous are going to shine as the sun the sun is bright 
in the kingdom of their father. Are you the righteous? How'd you get righteous? How in the world? (laughs) You've been made righteous by what Jesus did because you believed it and received it. The righteous will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father who has ears to hear. Let him hear. Somebody say, I'm hearing it. I'm hearing it. Verse 44. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hid in a field, which when a man has found, he hides it, and for joy thereof goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. When you realize what the kingdom is, how precious it is, how powerful it is, how everlasting it is, it will cause you to sell out and set everything else on the back burner and make this your priority and pursuit. Verse 45, he says it again. Again, he said, the kingdom of heaven. Everybody say the kingdom of heaven. It's like a merchant man that was seeking goodly pearls who, when he had found one pearl of great price, what did he do? He went, he sold all he had, what? To get it. And he bought it. Praise God. The precious hidden treasure, the priceless, you might say, pearl of exceedingly high price. These describe how somebody who's enlightened realizes what the kingdom is. What is the, well, what is the kingdom? It's where God has dominion. And one of the main things that he's working on right now is his his family, his sons and daughters, his ruling class. Because he can make galaxies as many as you like. Are you thinking or not? He's already done that. What he wants, what he needs is people that think like him. People that want what he wants, that cares about what he cares about, that he can trust, that will do what he says, that won't rebel against him. He is so fed up with that. I'm telling you, he is. I mean, you know, the angels rebelled against him. Satan rebelled against him. He creates man. And what have they done? Rebelled against him. He is fed up with it. He's looking for somebody. This got some sense. <laughs> and will make the right choice. And won't reject God, won't rebel against God, but will choose Him and love Him and are willing to give everything for Him. Yeah. And those are His jewels. Oh, Hallelujah. Those are the apple of his eye and those he is already in the process of grooming to rule and reign. It's going to be spectacular beyond our wildest imagination. You talk about glory and glitter and beauty and power and majesty. Nothing down here comes close. And if we believe this, we won't act like Sadducees. If we believe this, it'll affect our priorities. It'll govern every decision. 
it will overshadow every other thing in our lives and round about us. Do you love him? Do you live to please him and to serve him? These teams in these churches are significant. Hallelujah. They are opportunities to not just talk about this, but do it. They matter. And every time, you might not see the people, but if I preach up here, or Phyllis, or Dave, or anybody else does, and an altar call is given, or somebody gets saved, or somebody you don't even see on the other side of the world, we got testimony the other day of somebody just sent in and said, I prayed that prayer with Brother Keith. Yeah. Oh, glory to God. What, what happened? They got saved. Yeah. I prayed that prayer. Just a little short thing to say. Hallelujah. Well, whoever helped us do this helped us have the lights on. Whoever gave and whoever worked behind the camera and whoever worked, they got a part. We couldn't do it without them. Can you see this? Are they serving God? By ministering to the people, is it making a difference in the kingdom? Then it's affecting their place in the kingdom. And folks that never have time for God, don't even have time for church, much less serving much less doing anything, they're going to wake up in a few days, they're going to be breathing their last, they're going to be leaving here, and they're going to realize, I just lived for myself. I acted like a Sadducee. Here's the good news. You're still breathing. We can still have some time. We still got some opportunities. Let's redeem the time. Let's make the best use of these opportunities. Stand on your feet, everybody. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.